Welcome to the Intention Training Podcast, where we talk about training, mindset, nutrition, wellness, and self-care. And we're back. Hi, guys. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of the Intention Training Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about training for strength. So, let's do a little intro before we get into it. You got anything you want to say? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll go, I'll ask you questions first. Okay. How has your week been? <laughs> I think I've had a pretty good week. I thought it was like... Birthday week? Yes, it was my birthday. Happy birthday. There were very low expectations because I couldn't have a party. So, I had a really great birthday. What'd you do? Um, I kind of did whatever I wanted during the day. We did yoga together. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we see my parents like every day. So we just went over there and we ordered pho from Kwong and we played sequence and Yahtzee. And then we had macarons for dinner. Well, no, for for (laughs) dessert. And then after that, we came back here and Roy let me pick out a scary movie. And so I picked out the Evil Dead remake. And if you've seen it, it's very gory. Um, but I don't really care. I really liked that movie. So, yeah. And I had a good week. How's training going? Um, heavy. <laughs> First week back from a deload is always heavy for me. Um, but I'm starting with weights that are heavier and in higher rep schemes than I did last block. Last block so that's encouraging. What? <laughs> okay. Um, how about you? Um, it's been a decent week. I'm just trying to keep up with school, stay busy. I'm reading like four books at once right now. Um, so it's a lot, but I'm finding ways to stay busy and productive. Um, working on different things that I don't usually have time for, so that's been good. Pouring a lot of time into training. I'm 12 weeks out from the Twin Cities Open. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. It should be a fun weekend. It's at Mystic Lake Casino, and I put a lot of time and effort into preparing for this show, so I'm really hoping it goes on as planned. Um, Spent a lot of hours in my underwear in front of the mirror posing. (laughs) So... Um, but whether it does or not, I'm going to be ready. So 12 weeks out, starting to diet, which is hard, um, especially when we're home with all the food. But um, we do a good job of keeping meals ready, doing a lot of meal prep, I think. And we have kind of our go-to foods. So that helps me out a lot. And then we've been getting creative with, like, the macro-friendly desserts and stuff. So that's been good. Um, yeah, training hard. It was nice that we got outside this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um that's, that's what I've been doing. Hopefully spring from here on out. Yeah. All right. You want to just... You want, do we want to do the question that um, we got first? Let's save it for the end. Okay. So, as Jen mentioned, we're going um, to discuss training for strength today. So, this is part of a little mini-series we're doing um, where each week we're going to take a different like performance goal and kind of break it down and take it step-by-step step how we would approach building towards this goal why we think it's worthwhile to do so and kind of just give you the basics um 
in terms of terminology and structure for strength training. Um, so if we start talking about strength, Jen, what do you think strength means? So you can view strength a few different ways. You can you can view it by itself or um, like which would be absolute strength or relative strength, which is more going to be about like your strength relative to how long you've been competing or your body weight or it, just other variables are in there. But um, dictionary defines strength as the capacity of an object or substance to withstand great force or pressure, which I actually really like that because when you think about strength in, in strength sports, you don't think about withstanding pressure. You think about moving a heavy object. But it's true because you're overcoming a heavier weight with with your own force when you're standing up from a squat. Yeah, and it's so kind of cool too because that definition doesn't mention like physical strength. Mm-hmm. It just mentions overcoming and or withstanding pressure, which that speaks to like mental strength and fortitude as well. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a huge part of strength training. It's like I feel like you're not just building your physical strength. It's, it's so much so many other things which we'll discuss um, but as Jen said absolute strength is really just how much force can you produce re- regardless of how big you are how muscular you are what is the number you can put up on a back squat or a bench um, your relative strength is how strong you are compared to your body size so this is important for like powerlifting where they're taking into account um, how much you weigh compared to your total um, things like that um, then these are a little bit, these are really confusing, I'm not gonna lie, that's why I wrote them down. So if you don't remember this, that's totally fine. But strength can be broken down into speed strength and strength speed. They sound really similar and I get them confused all the time, which is, like I said, why I wrote it down. But speed strength is gonna be trying to move a lighter weight as fast as you can. It's typically a much lighter percentage, typically 25 to 40% of your one rep max, and the bar is gonna be moving quite a bit faster at 1.1 to 1.5 meters per second. So this is taking a light weight and working on explosiveness, because as we know, force is mass times acceleration. So there are two ways to improve. I did not know that. You didn't know that? No. I knew that like two years ago when I took physics. Okay, well, some know that. (laughs) Force equals mass times acceleration. So if you want to get stronger, you can put more weight on, i.e. mass, or you can try and move the bar faster. Ideally, we want to do both. We want to build both of those um, parameters. So that's speed strength. So a lot of powerlifters can think about that as dynamic effort. Yep, and we'll definitely get into that. But like we said, that's going to be taking a lighter weight and focusing on the velocity of the bar rather than the amount of weight on the bar. So you can think about it like speed, strength, is gonna be you're trying to produce strength in the presence of speed. So because speed is first, that's what's taking precedence there. Then you have strength speed, which is speed in conditions of strength. So the first one that I mentioned was strength in conditions of speed. We're focusing on speed. Now here, we're focusing on strength and we're trying to produce speed in those conditions. It's, it's confusing, like I said, but 
So strength speed, the second one, is gonna be moving a heavier object as fast as possible. So you're still trying to move it as fast as you can. That's a concept called compensatory acceleration, which is basically just putting maximal intent into the bar. Um, but this is gonna be a higher percentage of your one rep max. It could be anywhere from 60% all the way up to a one rep max, and you're moving it at a lower velocity. So we wanna to try to bring up both those parameters, but these are all things that we need to take into account when we're looking at strength in terms of the physical realm. So the next thing we wanted to talk about was um, why one would train for strength. So Jen, why do you train for strength? Because it's really cool. Also, like it's for me, I know that I don't enjoy running, um, but running is really, is a fun form of working out for people some people because they're able to compare their like mile times their 400 meter times their 800 times um and you're able to see results that way by comparing those times but for me i'm able to measure my progress by being like oh well i've done this weight for one before but now i just did it for three or like my one rep max went up by x amount of pounds between last meet and this meet so for me i really like the fact that i can measure it that way and also um um it's not as it's not as taxing on my aerobic system i don't i don't know when i'm doing really high intensity working out i just kind of get mad like i'm not like this i mean is, it sucks this like is it's fun. painful but like when i'm able to like take four to five minutes rest between squat sets that's awesome like i'm able to go and hit my next set relatively fresh it just feels good like yeah hitting a weight you've never hit or just like knowing that you are improving week to week is a great feeling um and you feel powerful and it's a, a great thing i pulled mm -hmm. a couple studies here um this first one was called Relations of Strength Training to Body Image Among a Sample of Female University Students. Um, this is a 2002 study in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research. So in this study, college women enrolled in a strength training class and they were evaluated before and after the class using a variety of measures including physical fitness measures, weight, percentage body fat, body circumference, and strength measures. Um, so at the end of the class, Participants were asked to respond to nine open-ended questions dealing with perceptions of body image. Physical results of the study showed a mean weight gain of one pound, an average increase of body fat of 0.9%, and a five to 10 pound improvement in maximal lifting ability. In addition, most subjects reported that they felt healthier and more fit and had an improved body image and a better attitude about their physical selves after strength training. So I think that's so cool because their percent body fat went up mm -hmm. and their body weight went up, yet, mm -hmm they feel better about their self-image. And it's just interesting because I think... Well, I, th I think that a lot of people aren't even in that boat. Like, people... I just feel like people will gain weight and be like, well, I could be so much stronger at this lower body weight or this lower weight class. And I feel like that's a lot of what happens during, like, powerlifting meets now is it's not about, like... People, people just don't feel okay with embracing themselves heavier. Do you get what I'm saying? Can you try to explain it that more? Like, a lot of people will cut into their first meet just because they think that's what's expected 
they want that relative strength to be absolutely as high as possible. So when they jump up a weight class, they feel they don't feel good about themselves. So I can see how like what so, sorry to interrupt. I think it depends on what you prioritize there. Because, no, yeah, definitely, but I'm saying like even in strength sports sometimes I don't see that which you should see that, but I think that I don't know. I I feel like it's not so you don't agree with this, the findings of this study you're saying? Personally, And it I, is an older study. That's yeah. important to take into consideration. I, I, I'm not saying that I don't feel that way because that's the exact same boat I'm in. Like, my body fat went up, my, my numbers went up, my weight went up. And I feel really good about that. But that's not the message that I get from the strength sport community well, right now. Yeah, but I think it's also important to acknowledge that the message you get from them is usually via social media and Instagram and like that's not always the full story and that's Um, why like this study being like I would be super interested to see what this study would look like now yeah this is the most recent one I could find um but the main takeaways for me is like I I really think it can do wonders for your self-confidence to just know that you are getting better day in and day out Mm -hmm. and to actual actually see changes like measurable changes like these um it takes the subjectivity out like you are making progress there's no two ways about it you're making progress your numbers are going up which is is a cool thing like getting stronger is really cool and it goes to show that just because well just because these people gain 0.9 percent overall body fat like that that doesn't mean that they're body composition got worse or less favorable in their eyes like they could they might feel that they look better so i just think like turning to the scale or like a bod pod or whatever for like a a measure of what kind of shape you're in or how good you feel i don't think we should let that influence us as much as we do and it happens to all of us in terms of we see a number on the scale and we let that dictate like how we feel about our ourselves and Mm -hmm. our bodies and no, oh, yeah, I, I agree, which is why I'm saying, like, I was actually surprised, like, within the parameters of this study that these people were like, wow, I feel, like, better about myself when that's so not the message yeah, that I'm, Yeah, no, like, it's receiving. definitely interesting. Most people gain weight, and they're like, fuck, that is not, it, yeah, and it's <laughs> that's like, not good. It's totally, like, contradictory. Like, their, their numbers might be going up, but all they can think about is, like, oh, I'm heavier than I used mm-hmm. to be, or I look a little different. It's like your body is growing to be able to let you lift that weight yeah and recover from that weight mm-hmm. and it yeah okay, we totally got off yes, on a tangent but it's going. an interesting conversation um so there's that study <laughs> next uh strength training has been proven to decrease pain and increase physical abilities for those recovering from injuries you should always consult a professional though before engaging in strength training if you're returning from an injury um it can definitely increase sport performance when done thoughtfully. There are a ton of variables we have to consider here um, in terms of being in season or out of season, what what sport you're talking about, what level athlete you're talking about. But all athletes should have some form of strength training in their regimen one that's way or why, another. That's why there's a strength and conditioning coach. Absolutely. Um, decreases risk of injury, not just for athletes, but for everybody. When we... Our bones adapt to the stress that's placed upon them. So do our tendons and our ligaments. So... If we're regularly giving them stress 
positive stress, you stress, they're going to adapt and they're going to be more resilient. So that time when you bust your ankle on the curb, like Jen did yesterday, um, <laughs> did you or did you not almost fall yesterday? It was a big rock. <laughs> then you're going to be all right. So it's good for everybody. Definitely. I found, I pulled one more study, um, about mental health and the benefits of strength training in adults. So this was by O'Connor et al. in the American Journal of Lifestyle Medicine in 2010. So the the evidence they gathered supported the conclusion that strength training is associated with reductions in anxiety symptoms among healthy adults, reductions in pain intensity among patients with low back pain, osteoarthritis, and osteoarthritis. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) osteoarthritis would be I'm going to look it up so I don't sound stupid. Um, so when the protective cartilage that cushions the, the ends of your bones wears down over time, so it's very common in like the knee or the wrist oh, yep. um, among older people usually, but and fibromyalgia, which I know that's a big one. So they also observed improvements in cognition among older adults, improvements in sleep quality among depressed older adults, reductions in symptoms of depression among patients with diagnosed depression and fibromyalgia, and reductions in fatigue symptoms and improvements in self-esteem. So if that doesn't convince you... Um, and just because we say strength training doesn't mean that you have to like compete in a strength sport. Absolutely. That is not the case at all. And I... I would honestly suggest that if somebody who's interested in strength training or powerlifting, that you just try like a regular strength training program for like six to ten weeks because you really don't know like if you like it until you give it a run. And with that said, like strength training doesn't necessarily even mean you have to lift weights. Like just we love lifting weights, but that doesn't mean everybody has to. There are tons of ways this could be done. And we've talked a lot about exercise enjoyment and how that's going to help you adhere to something. So if you don't like lifting weights, that's okay. But I still think it's important to find a way to stress your body and force it to make adaptations and prepare yourself for everyday life and and whatnot. Um, Wow. That was probably really loud in people's ears. Um, Let's see. One more thing. Resistance training has been shown to reduce injury risk by up to 68% and improve sports performance and health measures in addition to accelerating the development of physical literacy. So this is a huge one. Like in young kids, strength training and properly teaching them proper movement patterns, it's, it's going to decrease injury. It's going to help proficiency in sport and just like on the playground and stuff. Like as dumb move. as it sounds, yeah. knowing how to move. And, and we, I think our generation learned... A lot of this, I sound dumb, our generation, um, being that we're young. But, I mean, we grew up, like, playing tag and playing – we were just talking about the other day how we grew up playing cops and robbers and, and night games and, and stuff. And we sports. And, and we sports, sure. <laughs> so, like, we benefited from – play can be really beneficial. You're moving in – you're reacting to things. Um, and I don't think today's kids get that as much. So having strength and conditioning is a great way to solve that. And I really hope – I, one day, I've worked for the Minneapolis Park Board for a long time, and it's kind of a dream of mine to, like, get a little program going for those kids, especially a lot of them have a lot of potential in sports. Like, you can see it, even when they're really young, just who's, like, excelling in or not, 
and they don't have necessarily the resources to like play AAU, which is how you get noticed in a lot of sports more so than school ball. So, but, and some don't have the physical like capabilities quite yet, but they really want to make an effort. Like, you know who I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I do. Who used and we to don't have to around. name drop. No, but... we don't on the playground. But he would just run laps yeah. on on the playground, and he was not the fastest by far, but he had a really good time. No, and when it when so, it comes down to it, that's really what it's about. It's like you got to find what drives you and makes you happy in terms of exercise, and just run with it. And exercise should not be like presented as exercise to children, and mm-hmm. I think that's why some people like loathe it so much when they grow up. Even for adults, I think I think introducing games like play. Is a, is a great way to... Why do people not want to play tag anymore? Tag is super slept on and just in terms of like developing an athlete because you're cut, you're moving in all planes of motion. You're making quick cuts and decelerations and accelerations and you're reacting to someone. Mm-hmm. I think that's... Uh, yeah, everyone should be playing more tag for sure. Yes. Post, so, Post-COVID. Post-COVID. Um, so let's get started. So we wanted to... Um, give people sort of guidelines on getting started with strength training. And this is going to be from the perspective of having an open gym. So there is that caveat. We know nobody really has access to gyms right now, um, but hopefully... Yeah, and we tried to use as little jargon as possible because there's like a time and a place to talk about like really scientific stuff. (laughs) <laughs> and using scientific language but me i honestly can't follow along with that really well like i i understand concepts um but if we say anything that is confusing please let us know um by instagramming us or whatever um and we try to be as as <laughs> well i'm obviously not very articulate but um we just tried to if I may. Yes. <laughs> I, think, I think what she's trying to say is that we don't want to overwhelm anyone and scare no. anyone away from it. It's simple. It doesn't have to be like a, a PhD course on strength training. You don't mm-hmm. have to know all this stuff. We, we talk about it and we like read about it because we're interested in it, but that doesn't mean you have to be. So we're just trying to give you the bare bones minimum for how you can get started and give you like a sustainable model for getting started strength training. So hopefully those reasons we mentioned before are enough to interest you and in why you might want to. Um, yeah, so let's let's start. Um, a general consensus from uh, strength coaches and experts is that your rep scheme, which is going to be like sets and how many reps are in those sets, um, for main movements, main movements are really going to drive your strength progress. Those rep schemes should be three to five sets of five repetitions. And that's like really baseline. And it's been proven that that works really well for beginner Mm -hmm. um, gym goers, athletes. Yeah, I would agree 100%. I think the first strength program I ever did was 531 by Jim Wendler. Yeah, definitely give that program a look. It's it's free online and it's a super solid model. but yeah, in general, you're going to want to do three to five sets of somewhere between one and five reps. And for beginners, I think five reps is a good a good gauge for sure. Um, one other thing, when you're just getting started, you because you're not really loading yourself up, 
that much. You're able to do the main lifts a lot more often. Mm -hmm. So you might be squatting, deadlifting, benching, or whatever variation works for you two, three times a week Mm -hmm. at first because it's more about learning the skills and training the, those movement patterns and just getting better at the yeah. movements than it is like actually getting stronger at first. Because you're not proficient yet and therefore you're not really able to load your body to its capacity. So because of that, you're able to make like incremental jumps from workout to workout. Like you could be squatting 10 more at the end of your first, 10 more pounds at the end of your first week. Which is why it's so fun when you first get started strength training because every time you come to the gym, you're able to do more practically. So, and and like you said, that's not because you're getting physically stronger. It's because you are able to activate more motor units. Your body is becoming more synchronized and you're just getting better at it. So three sets of three to five, three to five sets of three to five reps on your main movements. And we recommend for for most strength training to find a variation that works for you of a squat, a bench, and a deadlift. And And nothing wrong with those big three. You can also also, um, just do overhead presses because those are good upper body builders too. It's just you're gonna be able to bench more, most likely than overhead press for sure so that's that's going to be the main thing when getting started strength training is just getting it putting in a lot of time on squat bench and deadlifts and kind of mastering those making sure your technique is sound one thing that i like to do um or i've started doing with my beginners is i think that sometimes when they get a little bit further on into the program having people do rather than sets of five doing like a cluster set of two and then rack the bar, take a couple breaths, and then two again can can be a little bit beneficial just because like people will start to lose focus after a certain yeah. amount of reps. People usually lose focus after three reps. So if you want to break it up, like if you have if you've been doing sets of five and it's getting heavy and you just find that like after two or three reps your technique is going to the shitter, then <laughs> then um, feel free to break it up and just rack it, yeah. take a couple breaths, reset and go again. So your goal should be to increase whatever load you're using between five and 10 pounds pretty much every time you go to the gym for your first four to six weeks. Yeah, this is called linear progression. So you're just moving up. I mean, this would this is jargon that like most people can understand though, like you're progressing in a linear fashion. So you're adding every squat or deadlift session five to 10 pounds and every time you bench or overhead press you're adding 2.5 to 5 pounds because that musculature is going to be a little weaker um and so let's talk about like main movements how do we know which main movements we should be using because when you're when you're a beginner or a novice um your main movements should be the front of your workout like that should be most of the work is in the is in those main movements so from quote-unquote main movements you're going to want to pick compound exercises which means you're involving multiple joints your body is having to work together to produce the movement um and the reason you want to do this is really just bang for your buck because you're having to you activate a ton of muscle fibers you're having to have your everything be synchronized and fluid and coordinated um and these are like we talked about last time these are the vital patterns that you're actually going to use in daily life like we we deadlift all the time when we pick stuff off of stuff up off the ground so i i'm a pretty firm believer that like if someone i don't think everyone needs to conventional deadlift necessarily 
I think as long as you train that movement pattern, like it could be a kettlebell at first. Mm -hmm. I think that's totally fine. I think it more comes down to having a multi-joint exercise and trying to master that technique. What about you? Yeah, and with the compound movements, you're able to recruit um, more muscle fibers than you would in an isolation movement like a bicep curl because that's supposed to be just working your bicep. Whereas with a squat, you have upper body musculature, lower body musculature all working together. Yeah. And what's really cool is that like, you might notice that just from squatting and deadlifting, like your midsection, your core is going to get way stronger. Mm -hmm. Everything. Your back. Everything is, almost everything in your body is either working to actually be the prime movers to stabilize or assisting in that movement. Mm -hmm. That's why it's called a compound exercise because everything is working together. So we, we... Go ahead. These are going to give you the most bang for your buck. And that's that's really what it comes down to. With that said, like I mentioned before, it doesn't necessarily have to be a conventional deadlift. A lot of people are kind of shy away from conventional deadlifts because it, it I think it looks sort of scary. Mm-hmm. Like if you if people don't know what they're doing, like you everyone has seen someone at the gym with their back like hunched over picking something up off the ground and you're just like wow that the they're like going to destroy their back <laughs> so yeah if you don't know what you're doing it's probably not a good choice but it's fa- it's a fairly simple pattern to learn um, but with that said like everyone's anatomy is a little bit different both Jen and I are sumo deadlifters primarily um, so I think you don't have to be locked into those three but it's definitely a good place to start I think everyone mm-hmm. should try those three and see if it's a good fit or not yeah um another consideration when you're doing uh strength training is training for power so what this means is that a lot of strength coaches will put in like power cleans or snatches a clean and jerk into their strength programs because these are um movements that require you to um i guess use a lighter load and move it as fast as you can Go. Yeah, and I I would just like to add that I don't think it necessarily has to be like an Olympic lift. I think a, a lot of strength coaches love them because, I don't know, they look good. And, and they are. They're fantastic movements because they're mm-hmm. compound movements. They're high velocity. Uh, but also things like plyometrics and sprints can be great options yeah. for training power. So this kind of goes back to the speed, strength, strength, speed thing we were talking about earlier. Not only do you want to be pushing as much weight as 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 you can but you also want to be moving lighter loads as fast as you can to develop both of those qualities applying the maximum amount of force as fast as possible because when you're doing that you're recruiting way more motor units than if you're moving something slowly it also trains something called rate coding which is how fast you can actually fire those motor units and activate those muscle fibers so that's something that has to be trained Mm -hmm. um you that's the reason that NBA players can be standing straight up and then jump four feet off the ground without mm-hmm. even bending their knees. Like just those fast twitch muscle fibers that are really well trained. Um, so yeah, you can you can train power using um, a lighter load on any given exercise, which would be like dynamic effort. You can do sled work. You can do, um, Roy has to go to the bathroom, but I'm just <laughs> gonna keep talking. <laughs> so these are movements like the snatch, clean and jerk, power clean, plyometric movements like max effort jumps uh you can test your vertical 
weighted jumps, sprints, resistance sprints, medicine ball throws, all of this fun stuff. But what's probably going to be the most helpful is if you choose one or two of these things and return to these every week. Um, once you start to get a little bit more familiar with strength training and what you like and don't like, you can cycle in different exercises um, and cycle out the old ones. But yeah, probably just best to choose two. Um, something important to note is that you're not going to be able to load these movements as heavy as the other compound movements. Like you are not going to be able to clean what you can deadlift mostly. I mean, maybe when you're just starting out, you can, but that's probably rare. Yeah, I th I'm back. <laughs> I think one other thing to consider is that like, I think for, if you're actively, if you're in a sport, you're currently an athlete, I think training for power right from the get-go is a really good idea because mm -hmm. if you are, all you're doing is lifting heavy loads at a slower pace all the time, that's what your body's gonna get used to. And then when you're on the field or on the court and you try to make a quick cut, it's it's just not gonna happen the and, same. Yeah, and then suddenly you have to transition to powerlifting because <laughs> you're just really slow. <laughs> yeah, so, but if you're not actively participating in a sport or you're not looking to really maximize your strength, like you just, you wanna, you wanna get stronger, you wanna explore strength training, then go ahead and just do those main movements. Um, and, and really like at the beginning, you pretty much can do your squat bench and deadlift and get out. Mm -hmm. As as you get more advanced, you're gonna to want to start adding more in, which we're gonna talk about. Yeah, you need soon. more stimulus. Um, but like I said, I don't think power training is necessary if, if you're just kind of like a, a weekend warrior who's going in and you know trying to get stronger. But if you're an athlete, then it's important to develop both. Mm -hmm. Okay, so can I say one more thing? Yes, go ahead. So I would say to not overcomplicate things right away like we said choose those main movements try to do those as often as you can recover from them which means for most people 48 to 72 hours so like that's like if you do a monday wednesday friday which is super common or if you need a little bit longer rest periods tuesday thursday sunday or or saturday or sunday um but really ride those those newbie gains out like don't overcomplicate things and don't think, well, I'm, I'm squatting like a lot heavier than I used to be squatting, so maybe I should give myself a break before I gas out. No, just just go full throttle. <laughs> and when you gas out, you can, you can start to make those changes, but you really don't want to disrupt um, those gains unless you have to or unless they're just not happening anymore. The reason that you're able to make such quick progress is because it's a completely new stimulus for your body. Mm -hmm. So this is really the only time that you're going to be able to add weight every time you go to the gym. So and yeah, so take advantage so of that. So do it for as long as you can. You'll know when you need to switch things up. Mm -hmm. But as long as the weight is going up, you're feeling good, just ride it out. And that could be anywhere from 8, 6 to... I don't know, like 16 weeks in some cases. Yeah. You you can make progress for a really long time on a very simple model. So ride that out until for as long as you can. So let's talk about accessories now. Because yes. Because this is so the other component of strength programming. Let's um, let's define the difference between an accessory exercise and a supplemental supplementary exercise. So an accessory exercise is 
an exercise that's going to build the muscle group. So um, let's think about for a deadlift, an accessory exercise for that might be the hamstring curl. Because mm-hmm. um, this isn't working your entire posterior chain. And it's when you're doing a hamstring curl, you're laying down. So that whole element of stability is kind of gone. Um, so it's a pretty isolated movement. Whereas a supplemental exercise is going to supplement your main lift. So it's going to work on building those lifts. And let's think about a squat. A supplemental exercise for that would be the good morning or um, a goblet squat. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you totally got it. Um, Like she said, accessory movements are going to build the muscle groups. So it could just be a tricep extension to build your bench. Whereas a supplemental exercise is usually gonna be a variation mm-hmm. of the, the main lift. The parent movement. The parent movement, sure, that's a good way to put it. So like you might do a bench and then for your supplementary exercise, you might do a close grip bench press mm-hmm. or an incline bench press. Um, so generally the way people structure things when they get a little bit more advanced to where we need to start throwing in these accessory things. And I think depending on like the type of person you are. I know that when I first got into strength training, I don't think everyone's like this, but I like kind of went in head first and I was super enthusiastic. So I was okay doing like accessories kind of right out of the gate. But I also think there's nothing wrong with just doing the main movements and leaving at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally people will go their main workout. So whether it's a squat, bench, deadlift, whatever it might be, then there's supplementary exercise. So whatever's gonna build that main lift. Um, for deadlifts, it might be a Romanian deadlift. Um, and then move on to the accessories where you're building the the muscle groups that are responsible. So it's gonna go, and this is for training for strength, it's mm-hmm. gonna go the main movement. Um, this, if you experience any muscle soreness, it should be from the main movement and not from the supplemental or accessory work that comes after. Um, so main movement, supplemental work, accessory work. Yep. That's a really general template. And it's important to mention that the rep ranges are going to be pretty different for accessories. For supplemental exercises, I think depending on the exercise, it's pretty safe to say you can kind of stay in that five to eight rep range. It can be Mm -hmm. fairly low um, because we're still looking to train strength here. Whereas with the accessory exercises, like we said, we're looking to build those muscle groups. So we're going to want to be in a bit of a higher rep range and try and um, stimulate hypertrophy for the muscle, which just means getting the muscle bigger. So So you're going to be more anywhere from five all the way up to 30 repetitions for accessories but really like kind of the sweet spot for me and i think for most people is kind of like eight to 15 is kind of a good rep range for things like bicep curls um tricep extensions shoulder press all that good stuff yeah i typically think like three sets of eight to 12 but i don't really train biceps so (laughs) yeah why do they look like that then i just I'm just blessed. (laughs) Um, And then, so with these accessory and supplementary movements, you still want to be increasing load. Uh, It's not as much of a priority, but you still definitely want to be trying to push more weight each time. Um, And you want to switch them up every now and then. 
I would say anywhere from three to six weeks. Some people like switching them more frequently. Some people like sticking with a movement longer. Mm -hmm. um, for me, as long as you're progressing and it, it, and it gives fun. you a good stimulus, like there are certain exercises for some people that just don't jive well with them. Like some people cannot do dips because they just mm -hmm. hurt. Um, I love dips. So yeah. just find what works for you and then pro progress it for as long as you can and then switch it up when you have to. Or when you're bored of it. So again, that's main workout, which is going to be a squat, a bench, a deadlift. And you mentioned one thing when you're talking about the hamstring curl that I love, which is you said it doesn't require you to stabilize yourself, mm -hmm. which we forgot to bring up in why we choose a squat, bench, and the deadlift. These uh, are Yeah, a squat is not the same as a Smith Machine squat. No, it's not. Or a leg press. There's no. a reason we didn't choose Smith Machine or leg press for your main movements. A squat you're doing all the work to stabilize yourself. Whereas with that, it's basically on a track. Mm -hmm. So like you, you are, don't have you're, to balance. No, it's, it's quite a bit different. You can't fall down on a leg press. <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can hurt yourself. But... I mean, you would have to be trying really hard to fall down. And with that said, that's not to say that a leg press doesn't have its place. Mm -hmm. But if you want to do the, if you love the leg press, throw that in as an accessory. Don't do mm -hmm. that as your main movement. Yeah, please. <laughs> Um, I think that pretty much covers how to get started. I just want to reiterate one more time. I know I just said this, but this is if, if the people don't take anything else away, I want people to take away that strength training it can prevent injuries, improve sport performance, improve mental health, sleep, all these good things, and that when you do it for your main work, you want to stick to three to five sets of three to five reps. Keep it simple. Get in and get out. Keep your workouts short. Don't go too often, keep the frequency low. And then throw in, I would say, one supplementary exercise and one or two accessories, and then get out and go home and eat. Yeah. Yes, eat food. Does that sound? Yeah, you, you forgot to say, um, spend five to 10 minutes looking at yourself in, in the mirror between sets, but basically covered it. All right, last notes. Um, don't overtrain. Don't overcomplicate. Uh, blah blah. Overcomplicate your training. We already touched on this. Um, most people can recover from a workout within forty-eight to seventy-two hours. So, you know, and then they return stronger for their next workout. It doesn't take a jigsaw puzzle of workouts, accessories, periodizations, and special tricks to make an impact on your strength. So let the strength come easy, and just let it. Let that be that. Kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Oh, I was about to say, mwah. <laughs> um, so, okay, let's talk about deloads because a lot of people think that they need, like, they're like, oh, I'm just, I've been going hard for so long. It's like, dude, you've been going hard for like three weeks. Like, you, you, you can handle it for a little bit longer. Um, just at me then. <laughs> for people starting out, you don't need a deload every four weeks. Your relative strength is most likely... And th there's going to be exceptions to this, but it's most likely not yet high enough that your body can't recover from the load you're putting on it or the work you're doing. So like while you're for sure getting stronger, your body is capable of handling a lot more. So just like the more often you take a deload, the more time you have to spend and the more time you're wasting trying to work up to what you could have did, did like two weeks ago or while you were taking that deload because um, your body didn't need it. What so but like once you begin to plateau is when you're gonna want to start worrying about deloads. 
Um, or even having light days. Like I said, I talked a little bit about something called undulating periodization more earlier, um, but I didn't say that. I talked about having a light squat day. I must have been in the bathroom. I talked about having a light squat day in the middle of the week because you get scared of your progress. So like... What do you mean you get scared of your progress? You're just like, oh no, this is happening to... Like, I am great at self-sabotaging when things go well. I'm like, oh no, something bad's gonna happen because my squat has went up. Like things are going too good. Things are going too good. So let me just slow down my progress so that like, hmm. um, that's just a personal thing. <laughs> I suppose I'm projecting, but um, so like instead of a deload, you can just add in a, a lighter squat day or a lighter bench day in the middle of the week. Um, what or like just take sets down you can also increase your rest periods like there's a lot of things you can do before going into that deload if you're a beginner for sure um you probably don't need a full week off other things i think the basics are the basics for a reason and that's because they work i think Mm -hmm. if you if you don't quite like know where to go after listening to this check out 531 because it's a great beginner template and if you follow it, you will make progress. So it, it's free online. I think that's a great place to start. We aren't sponsored. No, unfortunately. Wendler, that would be weird. It'd be freaking sweet. <laughs> um, I also encourage everyone to find a coach or a mentor to help you through it because even if it's just like gym buddies, that can be huge. Um, I think having a training partner is, is ideal. But if you don't have someone to take take this on with you, then try and find a coach or a mentor at your gym. Before going on YouTube. Well, since you mentioned it, like if people wanted to find resources for like technique um, on YouTube for the squat, bench, deadlift, whatever, do you have anyone that's like you like to refer people to or whatever? Um, I really like Elite FTS articles. Like... I think that they keep things... Well, you can find really simple breakdowns. Um, I would definitely say Mountain Dog. What's his, what's his YouTube? Mount, it's Mountain, Mountain Dog. Dog. <laughs> That's Is John like Mountain Dog 1. Um, it has, like, good videos. Um, probably a lot of the OG powerlifters are going to be helpful with the main movements. Yeah. Because they've taught it so many times that they know what's necessary to teach and, like, how to not overcue people. Like, knees out chin tucked chest up like you don't want to be you don't want somebody screaming five different cues at you mm-hmm. when I, you're trying to learn I something. like um juggernaut has squat pillars deadlift pillars and bench pillars I think are pretty solid there's a more like scientific focused um version from stronger by science they have a how to squat how to bench how to deadlift manual those are free ebooks mm-hmm. um greg knuckles has a good deadlift yeah mm-hmm. so and, oh. and if you guys ever want like resources i have a lot saved on my computer so does jen mm-hmm. so feel free to reach out for that the last point i wanted to make before we move on to q a is and we won't talk about this one for too long because we're not dietitians no or nutritionists did somebody sue us or something? No, but I'm preventing them <laughs> from doing that. Um, you need to make sure that your diet fuels and supports your training. 
we talked about this, I don't know when, a couple episodes ago, but we generally encourage people to eat something before they train, and you definitely want to eat something after you train. Mm -hmm. So really, let's just leave it at that, I think. you okay let's let's talk a little bit about macros um before you train a lot of people will advise okay you want a little bit of protein in there you want carbs in there and you want um a moderate amount of fat in there because fat takes longer to digest and so that food is going to be digesting for longer whereas after you work out you kind of want you want that to be carb and protein heavy and that is that a protein shake. Usually what I tell my clients is fruit before protein shake and carbs after. Mm. So you can even just do fruit before and then protein shake and fruit after. All right, let's talk about our one question. <laughs> yeah, so y'all need to step it up because <laughs> We got like this 10 spam questions. So many spam questions. Some naughty ones. Yes. Um, but Sydney at Sydney Marty. I don't know, I don't on... know how to say her last name, but she asked a really good question. So shout out to her. Uh, she asked, do you think, and I was going to try and go on IG Live and see if we would get any more questions, but I don't know how to do it, so <laughs> maybe maybe some other time. Okay. Okay, the question. Via Sydney, do you think a hypertrophy block is necessary slash, slash idea. ideal before a strength block? Um, so we talked about hypertrophy before. Hypertrophy is going to be higher rep training focused on building muscle size, whereas strength training, you're working on building strength mm-hmm. um you go first i think that this is dependent on for me yes i i like to go into a hypertrophy block like a, like in kind your of own training or in my own training i like to go into a, a stereotypical hypertrophy block my reps are a little bit higher um before my strength block when my reps taper down to five to uh, five to three reps per set but that's because that's going to help me peak. Well, you're also and very experienced. And, and I'm a power lifter. And so I'm, I'm doing that with an end goal, like a specific date in mind mm-hmm. when all of this work is going to come together. So I think that um, power lifters should have some hypertrophy in there because a bigger muscle is going to, um, once you load it right, and learn how to recruit those motor units is going to move more weight but i think for just somebody who's who's trying strength training for the first time i think that five reps is plenty for a main movement and that's going to be it's going to be hard to hold your concentration for even that long so you're it's going to take some work like you're going to have to earn doing eight reps on your squat because after the fifth rep, when you're just starting out, things are going to go downhill. Yeah. What do you think? That's a solid answer. Um, I think it depends, like you said. I think um, when most people come to me, their sole goal isn't just strength. So uh, typically I will put people into some type of hypertrophy or GPP, general preparatory phase, um, both general, general physical preparation. general physical preparedness. Oh, we both we both <laughs> messed it up. Um, before they go into a strength block, and that's just because number one, I don't think it's as intimidating for people to hop right into like heavy weights. Um, 
not everyone wants to squat bench and deadlift. In fact, I have a lot of people come to me that are like, yeah, I'm not deadlifting. And it's like, okay, you're lost. Yeah. So I do think it's, it's helpful, but I think that everyone should be training strength to a certain extent. So Mm -hmm. whatever your main movements are, I think you should be sticking to anywhere from one to five. Yeah. Um, and, and that goes, I, I think it's, you can definitely, unless your goal is to get bigger and stronger, even then though, like I think you can still get big off five reps, especially yeah, if I you're a starter. For main move, I think everyone when they're getting started should have main movements, and they should be in the lower rep range, focusing on strength. In fact, I just saw an interesting study by Brad Schoenfeld, um, in which they found that people who trained with a four rep max, an eight rep max, and twelve rep max, I believe, I could be misquoting, but um, when volume was equated, so people with the four rep max obviously lifted for more sets than people Mm -hmm. with the 12 rep max. The hypertrophy gains were pretty similar, but the strength gains were bigger with the four rep max. Mm -hmm. So you can still stimulate hypertrophy with lower rep work with strength training. um, And you can do so while also getting stronger. So I think that's good. I think beginners looking to strength train Mm -hmm. should definitely stick in the lower rep ranges and then build your accessories um, in the higher rep ranges so that yeah. you're training for hypertrophy as well. Yeah, and more advanced lifters should c- consider having a hypertrophy block where, where the weight is still intense, like the intensity is still m- medium to high, but the volume is just a lot higher. Yeah, I think why you would want a hypertrophy phase beyond people just want to look good and they want to get bigger muscles and get leaner is it's sort of like building a foundation mm-hmm. like a house is only gonna be as stable as its foundation so if you are throwing a lot of volume at your body and your body's able to adapt to that then it's gonna seem a lot easier when you only have to do three sets of three. Oh god yes like when your reps get lowered from like seven to five mm-hmm. it's like wow what did i do to deserve this this is this is a treat all right well that's that. Since um since we didn't get any more questions, I'm going to give you one. Okay. Okay, it's going to be totally off the cuff, random. Oh, no. If you could only watch one Harry Potter movie for the rest of your life, which one? Oh, my God. Not the one where Dobby dies. <laughs> um. Oh, my God. Put you on the spot. Okay, Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Oh my god, don't do this to me. <laughs> On air. I'll answer a completely different question that you didn't ask me. Well, that's not. My favorite Twilight movie. That's not. <laughs> is. None of them. Nope, the first one. <laughs> the first one's great. Soundtrack? Yes. All right. Mwah. <laughs> See you for episode seven. <laughs>